Welcome to the Authentic Conviction Podcast, where we believe understanding your own value will help you build stronger and longer-lasting relationships. Uh, we have an absolute treat today. I love our curveball that we're throwing at everybody because while we bring a lot of our, our business acumen and leadership qualities to, uh, to our listeners, uh, there's things that weigh into that that are as, as of equal importance to your leadership and how you lead your people and lead your team in a professional capacity. And we're also doing it from the comfort of, of our home today. I, I'm suffering from what many call washed up athlete syndrome and uh, had the rest of the cartilage taken out of my right knee. And it's been a little bit of a challenge. And so um, got a lot, had a lot of clarity, had a lot of, of, of thinking over the last week as I've been working from home and spending more time uh, laid up and recovering. And I realized a few things. Number one, you know, we want to strive for diversity in what we're doing, diversity in our guests, diversity in our messages. But not only that, there's a lot of people that play a part in, in what's created, and I will speak personally, what's created my authentic conviction. And that, I think, starts in the home. So um, thankfully, she said yes again. She said yes about 19 years ago to me, but to, today she said yes again to be our guest. So I am, I am thrilled to see where this goes. This could be maybe part one of, uh, of marriage counseling here. Maybe Dr. Phil is our next guest, but uh, we have Rebecca Clark, uh, the one and only joining us today. So welcome to the podcast, Rebecca. Thanks, babe. So now we got you in the hot seat, Rebecca, uh -oh. and um, we are going to walk through a process here that is really a big part of our authentic conviction project here that we're working on because you alluded to this earlier that, you know, we live in, in this world where, you know, you see uh, Betty Crocker vacuuming, making dinner, you know, taking care of the kids, taking care of the husband and just, you know, traveling to Hawaii and, and, and this perfect world that they live in, right? When in reality, that's never the case for any of those people. Sure. Um, and I think the main reason that's driving that again is is those wrong the, those wrong wells, right? Like other people's idea and perception of them is so important. But we live in a world where we're so quick to beat ourselves up, but we rarely take the time to really discover our true, authentic value. You know. So, um, I, I want to ask you just. I'm gonna start with one question. And I want to see how you respond to it. And oh, then no. and then we'll go from there, okay? Okay. So without really hesitating, I want you to tell me three to five things that you love about yourself that make you an awesome person. Oh, man. Um, I would say something that I love about myself is I think I have the gift of hospitality. I want people to feel welcome in my home. And I think that I've nailed that. Why did you have to hesitate so long before you gave me the very first one, though? <sighs> What's your first, just real quick, what, what, what goes through your mind when I say, say something great about yourself? Uh, I, I just don't, that's not where I put my thoughts and my energy. I put it so much of it into you and the kids that I could tell you a million things that I love about you guys. Um, I think I focus a lot on what I want to be better at or what I can work on. Not like, again, back to what we talked about, like the, you know, never going to do that again, you know, like. So do the, you think society has conditioned you to be really slow to think of things that are great about yourself, but be really quick in, in a self-deprecating way where you can. Oh, sure. It, yes. But you also see how that's a problem because we're sitting here saying that having a tr more true, authentic conviction of who you are, which requires you to un uncover the things that are great about you. Right. 
is going to make you better for other people. Yet all we do is beat each other, beat ourselves up. But then we feel better. We get our our drive from lifting others up, which is good. Right. But it's of equal importance to lift yourself up. So go ahead, please go ahead. So you said your your gift of hospitality. Yes. Which I think is also a blessing and a gift that you have from God. Yeah, I love having people over. It, yeah. it, I don't feel anxious about that at all. Like it, if anyone can be here anytime, I'm always like, sure, more the merrier, don't mind. Um, but uh, to, to name other things that I would say I love about myself, um, I, I'm, I, my brain is just not going there. <laughs> I, think I, I think I could be funny. I mean, I think I have a good sense of humor. Um, I think your, your another question? I think your jokes are funny. Okay, so so you're leading right into to the next part of this. All right, yeah. now I want you to think of somebody, and, and just for the sake of this conversation, so it doesn't seem as if this is self seeking because it is not the intention at all. Please choose somebody other than me, um, yeah. just just out of purpose. Think of somebody that you have a great deal of respect for. You don't have to say name. Dead and, or alive? Uh, alive. Okay. And I want you to tell me three to five things. If you want to say a name, actually, you can go dead or alive because I know who you're going to choose. Um, go ahead and say their name and tell me five things that you love about them. Well, I'm actually not going to say the dead person because that would be my grandma. But um, I think that, you know, someone that is in my life currently right now that I have a huge amount of respect for is my best friend, Tracy. And it's easy for me to say, I mean, she is a full-time, she works full-time. Um she always has. She raised two boys working full-time from home. That is not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Stick to attributes. Okay, so she's a good mother. She is a very honest person. She is a badass. She's athletic. She's sport. Like, she she just is. Um, she is compassionate. Probably my favorite thing about her is that she's loyal. Mm-hmm. that's qualities I think that I probably share with her and that's why we get along. But I'm always amazed at like what she accomplishes in her family. So imagine, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, imagine if we could forge, you know, a, a, a person like we, tr- we try to do with our kids where they could walk through this exercise and clearly illustrate the things that they see as value, as valuable things, valuable attributes about themselves but then as, as, you're, as you're forging this, this person, you can chip away all the arrogance that might come along with that, where we didn't feel like it was a negative thing or a self-seeking thing or an arrogant thing to actually discover the things that make you great. You know, I mean, we talk, we have two daughters and we talk all the time about, you know, you need to be something, somebody of value for you before you can be somebody of value for somebody else. Right. Like you have your own, your own uh, person that you've got to be nurturing and caring for. And the, and we know the grass is greener where you water it. Um, but we don't take the time to do it. Right. Yet when I say to you and I, and I guarantee you, Tracy would do the same thing. She sat right here. She would, she would whip off 10 things about you in, in, in a New York minute. Right. Let's ask her. But, <laughs> but I'm she kidding. would, she would be very hesitant to say anything about herself. Right. So, I think there, there's a there's a misunderstanding between self awareness and arrogance. Well, and I think that you have to have humility, and the the problem with pointing out things that you love about yourself is that most of us were raised to be very humble. 
you know, you weren't supposed to go around telling everyone, look how good I am. It was like, you wait, you were, you were taught like, you know, you don't brag on yourself. You don't, you know, you let other people tell you. Well, the reality is most people are not going to just walk up and tell you everything they love about you or how great you are. Mm-hmm. And I may, I do make an effort to do this because I know what I struggle with insecurity wise. So when I walk into a group of people, I'm always like, oh, hey, hi, hi, how are you? Like, oh, how, you know, I want to make sure people know that they're being seen because that's what I would want. Or if I'm, you know, at Starbucks and the little girl waiting on me or the guy who's waiting on me has, you know, pink hair or something. I'm like, I love your hair. Pink's my favorite color. You know, it's like just, just so that they know they're being seen. I just think that that's like a really good feeling to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the exercise that we want to walk through with, with professionals is to not only talk about the attributes that they see are important to them, but um, how does that relate to their process and how they walk through a process with their clients? Right. You know, your process should, should fit nicely with who you are as a person. Right. You know, I mean, I think all too often we try to be somebody we're not um, in an effort to look a certain way for other people. Right. Right. So awareness on the wrong things creates unawareness on the right things. Um, But I would say even to the point of, okay, once we get past, oh, what's so great, you know, past the unicorns and rainbows, um, start talking about things that are regrets. Because I think our, our, our failures are a great lesson. Remember my old line is, you know, wisdom is the daughter of all success, but it's the mother of all failure. Uh, I, I was, I was given that line by one of my great <laughs> friends and I hope dearly that he, that he's listening to this because he made, he made an impact in my life over four, uh, four and a half, five hours on a golf course. And we were in, in, in Hilton Head, South Carolina, Paul Rotterman, who's, who's been a perennial leader at, at, uh, with, uh, with Onesco, with our broker dealer that we have. And what a, what a lovely man he is too. We had some time and some fellowship and he shared that line with me and I've never forgotten it. And when I talk to these guys that were there, you talk about not just attributes, but things that you look back and say, what got me where I am, you know? And he told me, and a few other people told me, you know, on my, on my ascent to the top, you know, trying to be up here, I always looked up and you, and you always see the people at the top and you think, oh, they're doing these things so much differently, so much greater than me. I want to learn their systems. I want to learn how they're doing things. And when they all got there, they realized a couple things. Number one, they're not doing anything different than me. And the things that I want to do shouldn't be based on somebody that is up here. The things that I want to do to grow my practice should be based on me, my attributes, how I want to serve my clients, how I want my practice to look, not based on somebody else. Volume doesn't change how you, how you should do something. And so he realized there's no secret sauce, you know, there's no magic sauce. And, and so he said, you know, not he, the whole group said, you know, the, the three things that really resonate, and how they've become so successful are gratitude, flexibility, adapting to change, and a willingness to be a giver as much as a taker. So basically getting away from, from any, uh, any, any stingy thinking or, you know, in any greed. And um, so, so gratitude, flexibility, and they summed it up in leadership, but within that leadership, you know, was, was more of a, um, you know, a, I want to. I want to make sure that I continue to give and focus on on what I can do for others, not what they can do for me. And and those are three powerful lessons, you know. But when you look at and you talk about, say, okay, we've acknowledged some of the things uh, forcefully. You came out with I think two 
um, which is hilarious because when we take our act to the street, we're going to ask people, tell me five things that you love about yourself and then just watch them just crawl into a hole because nobody <laughs> can answer it, um, which is sad. And that's what we want to do is we want to help people work through that. But, but beyond that, talk to me about some, some regrets that you might have, you know, that have taught you a lesson in your life. Um, oh gosh, Joey. I mean, first of all, the thing that I say about regret is that why you can't change it anyway. And, you know, I felt like when I got pregnant at 16 years old, you know, that's not something you're proud of. And you can stay in a state of, oh my gosh, my life is over. Or you can say, well, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I am so stubborn and prideful that I refused to fall into that category. Um, I do have regrets of on, on how I parented Kaylin because I was 17, 18, 19 years old when she was a baby, but she's also was the best kid we've had. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, maybe over take that Sarah and Tommy. I mean, I just think <laughs> sometimes if you give someone too much attention, that's, that could be bad too. She had so, a little pain though. Again, we talked about it did. earlier. She, she had, she had yeah, a struggle. She was being raised that made by her a, better. Yeah. She was, she was different than all the other kids in her class. Um, she only had a mom and that mom was much younger than most of the others. Um, every time that she had to make something for like father's day, she would say, Oh, I don't have a dad, you know? So in her mind, she did not like, she, she just didn't. So, you know, that made me feel guilt and regret that I was bringing a child into this world thinking that they, someone did not want them. I, I regret some of the things I've said in my life. I've regretted some of the jobs I've had. I've, I've had probably more regrets not speaking up for myself in times where I should have. Um, you do have a woman here. So there's been lots of times where um, I should have advocated for myself better in the workplace because of a man saying something inappropriate or doing something inappropriate. I regret that because I feel like if I would have stepped up and put that man in his place, maybe he wouldn't have done that to like another girl. So, I mean, life is full of regrets. I mean, I regret, you know, gaining 20 pounds during COVID. I mean, I, I just, I mean, what do you welcome, want Welcome to the club. <laughs> I, you're, you're, do, you're doing all right. You look just fine by, by my standards. But um, here's another one of our authentic conviction worksheet questions here. Um, briefly describe a couple of your positive moments or achievements that you are proud of. Um, I am a volunteer at a nonprofit women's peer counseling center um, in Silverton called the Eve Center. And I had to go through a, I think it's 12 weeks, 10 to 12 week training and doing that and graduating from that and being a part of an amazing organization that supports and empowers women and gives them counseling for free, um, I'm extremely proud of that. I mean, that's definitely something in my recent, you know, past couple years. Um, I don't know. Like, I think that, that I'm proud of the home that we've built not the the walls, but the feeling of a home with our kids, you know, with just our family in general. Um, 
I think we both put family first and, um, yeah, I think that, that I'm proud of that. I don't think there's any shame in seeing, you know, that you can be around your in-laws and have fun and, you know, I love, I love that family dynamic that we have and I'm proud of that. So what would you say if you had to, and I'm, I'm not trying to tie this into a profession, but um, if you could explain a few of the non-monetary goals or things that, that you think would be great achievements or great rewards, you know, in the coming years, what would a few of those non-monetary goals or achievements be? I think it's an achievement to be married for 17 years. I mean, not that it's hard. Especially to me. I mean, <laughs> pin no. the ribbon upon her chest. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not all, you know, it's it's just not easy. Anyone mm-hmm. who's been married can tell you that. Like, that's it's not a knock on another human being. It's just marriage is hard. Um, you take two people from two completely different upbringings, bring them together, have children that have had, you know, you have two totally different ideas of parenting, and you try to make it all work. So on top of careers and, you know, just anything that comes in with your family and life, it's hard. So I think being married for 17 years, considering we were 24 and 26 years old, having no clue what the future held, I think that's a a success story. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like achievements, honestly, and this is going to sound so cliche, I try my best to shine God's light through me. And so I feel accomplishment when I see my prayer come true um, or come to fruition, I should say. I feel better. I feel my best and my most successful when I am trusting God. I'm wholeheartedly my best self when I am fully walking in God's plan for me and trusting that plan. So that's just, I mean... It sounds easy. It's not. (laughs) It's hard, especially with me, you know, being vulnerable and trusting and all that. So, um, yeah, I think that that's my, definitely my most successful moments are when I see God working in my life and I, and I trusted him. So we've gone over maybe a couple, two or three of the areas that we are are of the 15 or 20 that we want to walk through with, with, with our, our, our disciples of this authentic conviction project. And isn't it amazing to see just in those two or three areas of discussion, how you taking the time to think about things like what we talked about, Mm -hmm. attributes about you, people that you respect, why you respect them which gives you things that that you can think that would be great things to strive for, right? But can you see the value in simply walking through these things and how it creates clarity and how your conviction and what you're actually doing in your your practice aligns with the things that are most important to you? Sure. And I think there's a fine line between um, greediness and success. Wanting more and wanting to do better it, if money comes with that, that's the perk, right? Like that's not, that's not always necessarily the goal. Is it nice? Sure. And then when you take, get that success, if it is in a monetary form, what do you do with that? Are you reinvesting it in yourself? Are you reinvesting that into your firm? Are you, um, you know, helping people that are less fortunate? Um, you know, if it's all about stuff, 
and making money so you can buy the Lamborghini, have the fat house, you know, go on all the lavish vacations, you're just going to be running yourself in circles. It'll work. I mean, it could work. But I think the whole point of what you're getting at with this authentic conviction is doing it for the right reasons and staying successful while you do it. The, 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 the lesson that I always try to preach, and I will, I will preach this to young people, and, I, and by the way, to myself in many times, is are you, are you sorting through, and I think that this Authentic Conviction Project does this, it's not about being busy. It's about being busy doing the right things. Right. You know, I mean, the, the, your, your favorite movie, The Shawshank Redemption, you know, you get busy living or get busy dying, you know? And I think we need to do a better job of being busy but being efficient in our busyness and, and, and are those the things that are the right wells that align with our conviction, Right. you know? Or and, just being productive. And by the way, it's okay that somebody call me just because I decided to buy a phone doesn't mean that you have me over a barrel when you call me. Like I'm creating boundaries here that when I come home, I don't want to be on my phone all night. Yeah, I love my friends. I love talking, but I also know that if they're true friends and they understand and they have a similar conviction, they're going to know that I can call them tomorrow and it's not going to be dire. And if something is really, really important, they'll let me know in a message, Sure. you know, but that time is for my family if that is what's valuable to me. But all too often we, we sway because we don't take the right time to identify what is important, you know, and, and, and therein your conviction that you carry with those friendships, with your work. So, um, you know, again, I, I, I owe a lot of my conviction to, to, to our journey together as parents, as husband and wife, um, as friends. And, uh, you know, this has been great. I, I, I can't thank you enough. You're, you're the first person that we've kind of worked on some of these authentic conviction worksheet items with. So you did pretty well. Good. Hope I didn't let you down. You didn't. <laughs>